Hi everyone, you're listening to Guts and Girl Bits. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and I hope to share with you all sorts of information about women's health and digestive health to educate and empower you to make informed choices about your own health. Please remember that all information is general and does not replace consulting with a healthcare practitioner. You're listening to Guts and Girl Bits. Today, I'm joined with Renee Bartlett, who is a clinical nutritionist who until 12 months ago was based in Adelaide, South Australia. She's currently residing in Canada for the next two years with her husband, one-year-old daughter and their dog, Diego. Renee assists people by focusing heavily on the fundamental basics of using food first for healing, health and well-being. Renee was diagnosed with Hashimoto's in 2016 and postpartum thyroiditis following the birth of their daughter in 2018. This has led Renee down a path focused on helping women who may have been diagnosed with postpartum thyroiditis or who are at risk of developing this condition. So thank you so much for joining me, Renee. Thanks, Alison. I'm really glad to be able to speak with you today on your podcast. Yay! Yay! So... Let's start with some basics. So what's the thyroid gland responsible for in the body? So it's a very important organ uh, that's part of the body. So it's part of the endocrine system and its role is centred around producing the hormones that control the metabolism of all of our cells. So to put that in simpler terms, so some of the body functions that it's involved in is breathing, Uh, regulating our heart rate, regulating body weight and body temperature, menstrual cycles, brain function, mood, just to name a few. So very, very important organ that's part of our body. Yes, so important. It does so much. Yes, a lot. (laughs) All right. And then let's talk about what is postpartum thyroiditis. So postpartum thyroiditis, Uh, If we look at the two terms separately, so thyroiditis means an inflammation of the thyroid and postpartum being post-pregnancy. So essentially it is an inflammation of the thyroid as a result of having a baby and uh, it causes uh, both hyperthyroidism, so overactive, and hypothyroidism, so an underactive thyroid, um, with hypothyroidism uh, happening uh, at first in that instance. So the main, the main difference between uh, postpartum thyroiditis and, say, uh, other inflammation conditions of the thyroid is that it's that pregnancy that really triggers it. Mm, okay. And how common is it? So it's believed that it's between 5 to 10% of all pregnant women will... Uh, be diagnosed with this condition but a point to note is it's often misdiagnosed and the reason Mm. for this is the symptoms can be very similar to those that a a woman may experience just by virtue of having a baby so um, for example you know the the things such as being fatigued um, losing hair insomnia weight fluctuations can easily be attributed to just having a baby when, in fact, it may actually be postpartum thyroiditis. Yeah. So many of those things people would just get dismissed about, like it's just because you're a mum or yeah. something along those lines, but it could be so much more. Absolutely. And um, 
postnatal depression is also something that can be closely linked to postpartum thyroiditis. So it may in fact be the thyroid that's causing the depression state rather than depression as an, as an isolated incident. So yeah. even though it's 5 to 10%, it may actually be, be more than that. Mm, for sure. Yeah. And how do you go about getting it tested? So it's simply a, a blood test after having a baby. Important to note that symptoms generally won't start until about six weeks after having a baby. So it's probably important to speak to your clinician about the independent um, factors that may require the blood test at, at certain times, but generally recommendation would be around about that um, two-month period postpartum and then monitoring after that. Mm. So if, say, a woman has been feeling okay for the early stages of the postpartum period and then she starts to feel a bit more downhill, is that where you'd be thinking maybe it's the thyroid connection? It could very well be. And it's just simply a blood test. There's nothing terribly invasive about really seeing whether someone may have a thyroid condition after having a baby. And it can simply confirm whether that is something that needs to be further looked at and treated or it can it can then be be lumped into another condition and and go down that path so I would certainly recommend for women who have had a baby to have their thyroid tested regardless after they've had had their baby um, but certainly those that are in the risk group of developing the condition mm. And does your thyroid function actually change during pregnancy as well? Like is this process starting earlier than the postpartum? Uh, so things happen a lot with pregnancy and, and the thyroid. Think of it like a, a stress test for your thyroid when you fall pregnant. Uh, and the reason for this is that the first trimester, the baby is 100% dependent on the woman's thyroid. So if there's already an underlying issue there or even a known issue of, of um, thyroid dysfunction, then that can have severe implications for the woman's first trimester of pregnancy. And unfortunately, in some cases, this is where um, complications such as miscarriage can occur um, mm. because the thyroid and the body in general cannot sustain the, the mother, let alone the baby as well. Um, if the pregnancy does manage to continue, the baby will then start uh, in that second trimester to use its own thyroid um, to function. And then from about 18 to 20 weeks, uh, the, the baby will then start to produce its own th thyroid hormones. So when you look at that for, for someone that may have dysfunction, you've got the first potentially 20 weeks where that that woman needs to produce enough thyroid hormones for herself and for her baby as well. Mm. Yeah, okay. So it's under a lot more pressure during that period of time. Yeah. yeah. And I guess because, you know, your thyroid is dependent on certain nutrients as well. So if there's going to be a funneling of nutrients into the baby, then that's going to be leading the leaving the mother a bit more deficient possibly. Yeah. And then, like you said, there's that immune involvement too. So I guess that would have an impact. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, an important thing to differentiate is the, the immune system is suppressed 
during pregnancy to account for the fact that the body is essentially creating something that's foreign. Um, so some people may actually notice if they have a, a autoimmune condition that their symptoms tend to be a lot better when they're pregnant in some cases because that immune suppression, that rebound effect after pregnancy, typically from about the six weeks and certainly in postpartum thyroiditis is, is what really drives this, this thyroid inflammation and it's that rebound of the immune system kicking back in and then going into overdrive. So there really is that the, the two parts playing um, in developing this condition, certainly. Mm, for sure. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, how some of the symptoms that are very similar to that postpartum period generally for women, like insomnia and fatigue and possibly depression. Are there any other symptoms that women should look out for that might suggest that they have a thyroid issue possibly during and post-pregnancy? Yeah, so during can be incredibly difficult when you're just looking at symptoms um, and that is because the symptoms are very similar to those that you would experience uh, as a result of being pregnant. So, for example, there can be weight changes, typically um, weight gain. There can be lack of sleep. There can be irritability, anxiety. There can be mood changes. There can be... Um, skin and nail changes, so dry skin, brittle nails, all of those are quite common symptoms in um, particularly hyperthyroid states, but also they're common symptoms that you get when you're pregnant, right? So diagnosing during pregnancy is most often by blood test, but that usually is monitoring the thyroid to see how it is coping with being pregnant. Uh, certainly after pregnancy, if a woman is in that hyperthyroid state, she's going to experience things like increased heart rate. Um, there could be tremors, heart palpitations, overheating, heat intolerance, insomnia, irritability, anxiety. And then when the condition swings to hyperthyroid, um, if that does occur, then it goes the other way. So things like fatigue, hair loss, poor memory, constipation, cold intolerance and depression are some of the main things um, that, that you would see. Mm, okay. So the blood test that we'd be looking at, is that typically your TSH and um, if that's out of balance, then your T3, T4 and your thyroid antibodies is fairly similar to your standard thyroid tests? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. So are there any predisposing factors for developing postpartum thyroiditis? Yeah, there is. So there's certainly a strong link between having thyroid um, autoimmunity before pregnancy, so typically the, the TPO antibodies. Uh, also, if there's a history of thyroid dysfunction previously, and that can even be um, transient, so it may not even be, be permanent, uh, if there's been a family history of any thyroid disorders or a previous history of postpartum um, thyroiditis in another pregnancy and also other autoimmune disorders, particularly type 1 diabetes, um, they're at high risk of, of uh, developing this condition. Mm, okay. And 
so it is something that does tend to recur. So like if you've had it one pregnancy, you're likely to get it another time? Not necessarily. At the moment, it's estimated at about 20% um, of recurring. So that is some good news that it, it's, it doesn't mean that for every pregnancy, a, a woman is necessarily going to continue to have postpartum thyroiditis. Um, it may be one time, time only, which is good news. Um, as for that, that 20%, it tends to be women that have very high um, antithyroid antibodies um, where their TSH levels are not in the normal range uh, when they fell pregnant, so certainly above, um, above 5, I believe, or even above 10. Um, and uh, that, that is the most likely risk factor for perhaps having it recur. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I, I know that you've had a bit of a journey yourself with this. Is it something that you would be able to share your journey with postpartum thyroiditis? Yes, certainly. Uh, so I was aware that I had a, a pre-existing thyroid condition before I, I fell pregnant. Uh, and I did have some, some difficulties falling pregnant and I do believe it was, it was probably due to my thyroid condition. Mm. So once I was successful in falling pregnant, um, I made sure that I monitored my thyroid levels throughout pregnancy. And I wasn't on any thyroid medication either. So it was more to just make sure that my body was, was handling it appropriately. Um, thankfully, it was. Everything went along really, really well. I had a really wonderful pregnancy, wonderful birth. Uh, and then after having my baby, uh, at about three months postpartum, I felt generally quite well, but I thought I really need to go and just make sure that my thyroid is functioning as it should. And knowing that I had a previous history, I thought that would be a, a good idea. As it turned out, I was very hyperthyroid, um, mm. much to the surprise to myself and my, um, my doctor because I wasn't really presenting with very strong symptoms, um, which I came to find is relatively common. It's more the hyperthyroid state if it does swing to that where it becomes quite known that there may be an issue. Um, so I monitored my bloods uh, every four weeks and I believe after about two months I then transitioned into hyperthyroid uh, mm. And I did then certainly start to notice um, symptoms. For me, I had extreme fatigue. Um, I would say quite moody, uh, you know, crying without really understanding what I was crying about. I can remember one day I was out walking my dog and it was a beautiful day and I just started crying and I'm like, why on earth am I, am I crying? This is not normal. <laughs> I don't really understand um, what's going on. Um so luckily for me, I knew that it wasn't just as a result of having a baby and I knew that it wasn't me going crazy and thinking, you know, what, what's going on. I knew that it was my thyroid driving this and I think that really helped me in dealing with it appropriately and, and just letting my body try and regulate itself um, rather than trying to figure out what was wrong with me um, in an essence. So I feel quite lucky that I managed to do that mm. um, and then uh, I ended up deciding to take thyroxine mm -hmm. um, because I, 
I felt as though I, w- I was lucky that my symptoms were okay, but I didn't know how bad they could get. Um, and given my history of having a thyroid condition, I thought it best to to go that action. And and my doctor said, you know what, let's let's give it a go. And if if at a time we feel it appropriate, we can see if we can wean you off it and take it off and see how your body handles. So. I really liked that approach that, you know, we can just try and manage it how we can and then and then see how my body adapts to it um, at some point. So, so yeah, that's kind of been my my journey with it so far. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I love how much you were trusting your own body to go through those processes as well. Yeah, sometimes you've just got to take your hand off the wheel, I think, and just let it do its thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, did you find that it affects breastfeeding? I was very fortunate that it didn't affect my milk supply. I was able to breastfeed and I still am now. Um, My baby will be one in two weeks. So thankfully I have been able to do that. But it certainly can affect milk production and is a common symptom in women um, that have thyroid issues. So it certainly can, can impair that. Mm. Well, hooray for extended breastfeeding. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. I felt a sigh of relief when I knew that um, that was something that I didn't have to worry about. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's so interesting the way that it expresses differently in everyone, and how oh. there's the dis- different interplay. So it's not just a straightforward thyroid affects prolactin. No, it's there's other things involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're so right. And and this is where really getting to know yourself. I could have easily spent my entire postpartum period not even knowing that I had postpartum thyroiditis. Honestly, I really could have because you could have just easily put the things I experienced down to having a baby. Um, mm. But it's just it just really presents so differently to, to, any, to everyone really. Um, yeah. Symptoms really do vary. Yeah, and I do observe quite a lot of the time that it is – are they uncommon to get this thorough testing done even as a general screening and yeah. sometimes you know you can be having done it too early or you might because the thyroid changes so much as well like sometimes you do need to repeat it the TSH can go up and down and um, by itself it's not always that great an indicator so yeah. you might you need to get that complete picture of the testing with the antibodies yeah absolutely mm. all right so Knowing what you know now, like say theoretically you were to have another bubby, (laughs) would you do anything to look after your thyroid preconception or during pregnancy to try and prevent this from happening or or how would you advise other women to look after their thyroid to prevent it? Yeah, so that's a really good question um, because I have looked back and gone, what, what could I have done? I was really good at, at having having a really great varied diet, um, you know, a good amount of um, vegetables, fruits, quality protein, fats. Uh, I started taking a really good quality prenatal vitamin uh, three months before pregnancy, fish oil, all of that. The one thing that I didn't do that I would be really interested in to see how that would go, and that is taking a supplement of selenium. Uh, and the reason why I say selenium is there has been some clinical studies done that show some promise in that 
selenium supplementation during pregnancy, even with women that have positive antibodies, does significantly reduce the risk of postpartum thyroiditis. Mm. So um, I, I caution that with saying further studies need to be done uh, and certainly it's not the be-all and end-all that, you know, you take selenium and you'll be fine, but it is quite promising to show that that nutrient did show some improvements um, in a study that was done, I believe, in 2011. So that's one thing that I didn't do, um, and I think that's something that I would I would probably look at at, mm. at, at doing with my next pregnancy, um, yeah. That's interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of multivitamins out there that are pregnancy targeted that have virtually, like, you know, very little selenium in them. Yeah. So taking a better quality multivitamin is advisable and or yeah. taking some additional selenium or at, le- at the very least, I guess, eating more selenium-rich foods. Totally. But that's so hard to do, isn't it? Because yeah. a bit hit and miss in foods. It is, and it varies so much. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you want to, uh, you don't want to just be taking taking pills all the time, you know, and trying to remember to do that, especially if you've already got got children. I'm a big advocate for trying to use food as much as you can rather than relying on supplements. But with pregnancy, there is that increased demand and, um you know, if it means that it could could possibly help you after pregnancy, then it, it's it's a it's something worth looking at if you if you can. Mm, for sure. And what sort of dosages are you generally looking to um, work within the range of? Because I know that many people are a bit hesitant to do higher doses of selenium. Yeah. So the the study that I that I spoke about that showed some promise, the supplementation was at two hundred micrograms a day. Um, the upper limit for selenium uh, is often recommended for one hundred and fifty micrograms per day. Um, I feel quite comfortable that if someone wanted to try try that under the useful direction of a qualified nutritionist or naturopath. Mm. that 200 micrograms would be suitable um, and ensuring that there isn't selenium coming from other sources that might push that too much further over the edge. Um, I think I think that that is a safe, a safe way and actually shown in, in studies that it may be useful. Yeah. And, you know, a, a nutritionist or a naturopath could guide you with that, I guess. And yeah, absolutely. Even look at monitoring your levels through your bloods and, and making sure that they're not going in a pattern that's a bit uncomfortable for you. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. Cool. So are there some other areas that you often look at supporting women with postpartum thyroiditis? Yeah, look, stress is a huge, huge, huge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that gets thrown around a lot. I know, you know, nearly every condition you can think of, you know, you get told, look out for stress. But honestly, it is so big um, <laughs> in driving this condition. It's not funny. And it, it could be so difficult. You've just had a baby and then you've got someone telling you to, oh, you know, just don't stress so much and, you know, look at that. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's really great. Um, But if there are things that you can try and do, whatever it is, whether it be five minutes of meditation just before you go to sleep or maybe it might be just 
going out for a walk with your baby or maybe just catching up with some girlfriends uh, for a coffee once a week, whatever it is, just try and do that, that whatever it is that kind of makes you feel that you can just let it out, you know, being writing things in a journal or um, mm. exercising if you can, you know, all of these things really will play a part in in trying to reduce that that cortisol and that stress that can really be making this condition a lot worse than what it should be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So stress is a really big one. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah. Great. Are there any other areas that you often look at? Um, so nutritionally, we've, we've spoken about selenium. Um, there is also, uh, and I guess when we look back at uh, the, the pregnancy status is having sufficient iodine to support the thyroid function during pregnancy and then continuing yeah. that for breastfeeding as well. That's mm-hmm. really important. Um, uh, and I think it's often a nutrient that does get overlooked when you look at prenatal support. Um, so that's something that, that really is important. Um, so iodine and selenium for that nutritional and then for postpartum um, when I look at nutrition I like to try and simplify it and go you know you're already trying to reduce your stress let's not stress it out anymore by (laughs) you know throwing these hardcore diet things in there let's make it really simple you know think of food first try and think of of getting things as fresh as possible um, by you know going and getting vegetables and fruit just starting with that getting some protein sources even if you need to buy frozen vegetables and and cook that up um, on a meal that's perfectly fine you know if that's going to save you a trip to the supermarket when you've got other things going on um, do that you know if you need to keep eggs in the fridge so that you can just do some scrambled eggs for dinner do that, you know, mm-hmm. try and simplify your nutritional routine. Don't overthink it. Don't don't try to be this fantastic mum who can just do it all. Just simplify it, you know. As long as you are able to, to eat well um, with basics, you'll be fine. You really will. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important for mothers to just eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's just so easy to just like you know let that part of your life just drop because you know you're worried about the baby and of course, but you got to eat. You do. You do have to eat, and you know what? Get when people come to visit you, don't get them to bring gifts of you know more baby clothes and things like that. Tell them to bring food. Say, Mm -hmm. bring bring me food. That's what I need, you know. (laughs) So that's the best gift you can give a new mum, I think. Um, And certainly in the months after, don't forget, you know, they're still trying to to raise a a little human being there. So, Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And um, I always think about iron when it comes to thyroid health as well. Is that something that you look at? Yeah, absolutely. And particularly after giving birth because women will often lose blood um, as a result of childbirth. So making sure that iron levels are adequate is, is really important for the, for the thyroid to function. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that is a very important nutrient, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and 
any any other areas? Um, so we, I guess we've touched a bit on nutritional and then the emotional. Oh, sorry, well the lifestyle side of trying to reduce stress, but I think that emotional support as well, because postpartum thyroiditis is really not known by many people. I think it's really important to to be open and honest with those uh, in your family, your support networks. Let them know that, you know, you don't just have the baby blues, that, you you know, you are going through something and it, it can be transient at times between your symptoms and to just get that added support. So that's probably my, my main take home is look at your emotional support, mm. um, lifestyle, you know, try and reduce your stress and nutritionally try and keep it simple by eating the best that you can when you can and don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So can you give some women that are having postpartum thyroiditis or worried about it three actionable steps that they can do? Yeah. So I guess further on to what I I just mentioned then, first of all, figure out who your support network is. Um, Talk to someone about your your condition and how you're feeling and, and really get them to help you um, in whatever that is for you. It may be getting someone to bring you food. It may be someone helping out with the baby. It might be someone to just catch up with for coffee, whatever that is. Uh, number two, really try and figure out a way that you can reduce stress in your life as much as that may be a difficult task for you, even if it's just five minutes to try and have some time where you just sit there and and write in a journal, read a book, meditate, whatever it is, go for a walk. It's really important. Uh, and then third of all, really try and figure out with your nutrition what you can do with minimal stress on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that is meal planning, um, so planning out your meals for the week and doing one shop. If that works for you, brilliant, do it. If that's going to enable you to eat, the best way you can, then do it. Uh, If it's cooking a lot of food and freezing it, do that. If it's having frozen vegetables, boiled eggs, nuts in the fridge, things that you are ready to go because maybe you're not someone that doesn't batch cook, you're not someone that doesn't meal plan, you just eat as you go, have those things ready there for you. So try to simplify it um, but stick to foods that are going to give you the most nutrient-dense. So um, you know, any of your vegetables, fruit, quality protein sources, so eggs, meat, tofu, um, lovely whole grains, think of quinoa, think of making some lovely muffins with spelt, buckwheat, all of those kind of things are really going to be helpful for you uh, in that postpartum phase. Make sure you're eating. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. All right, and... Last question for you. What is your favourite food for thyroid health? Okay, so this is difficult because (laughs) there's so many great ones, but I'm going to have to go with the very simple egg. Um, The reason being is it's full of so many wonderful nutrients that are going to support your thyroid. So um, it does have iodine. Um, It has a lovely amount of um, of really lovely fats which is going to do wonders for your your skins can do wonders for your hair 
um, protein as well that's going to support um, your immune system. And it's such a versatile food. Boil it up, have it as a snack, scramble it, have it for breakfast, mix in some vegetables, all that kind of thing. So I think I'm going to go with the humble egg. Nice. I think that's a great answer. (laughs) Yeah. Great. So thank you so much. Now, Renee, do you have any offerings on at the moment? So at the moment, uh, I'm currently working uh, on a couple of things within my business. So at the moment, I'm looking at putting together a series of helpful, simplified food tips. So that'll be a compilation of videos, how to shop guides, um, how to cook guides, but simply for your family. Um, I'm hoping to have that finalised within the next six to 12 months. Um, and also some e-books on how to look after your thyroid after having a baby. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, well, that'll be so good. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And if people want to know more, how can they get in touch with you? So they can get in touch with me. My business is Reborn Health. Uh, So the most effective way is just send me a message on Facebook, Reborn Health Nutrition, and I'm also on Instagram as well, which is also Reborn Health. Uh, nutrition great and i'll put the links for those in the show notes as well great so thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful information today it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you it's been great thanks so much for having me (laughs) yay so thanks everyone for listening so please hop on and leave us a five-star review and if there's anything you want to learn about in the future don't hesitate to ask so thank you everyone Bye-bye. Bye.